And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer at the Athletic, and one of my co-hosts, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's going on, Eric? What's up, Dave? Man, just watching this team—you got to be wishing. How much fun would it have been to be? pitching for this team right now i don't know i mean it feels if like the only thing that scares you is it just feels like you can't possibly keep doing this and then they just keep doing it yeah it's unsustainable for the course of the rest of the season right so there's going to be an inevitable dip and you hope there's just like a dip for their sake it's a dip to normalcy because if they if they go on like a weak skid you know everybody's going to panic again it's like oh see i knew they couldn't keep that going and but it's crazy. I mean, it is crazy how long they've done this. This is the kind of stuff you usually see for maybe a week. Two weeks. Maybe. Max, yeah. yeah. They've done it for like five weeks, man. Going on five weeks. Full month plus. I was I was just looking at the stats, figuring out their all the stats, pitching in and especially hitting over the past 29 games. And this is beginning with the second game of June. At Arizona, after they lost the series opener at Arizona, if you remember, they lost the series at Oakland, and everybody's like, oh, shit, this season's going to hell now. They lost the series against the team that was on pace to lose like 110 games. Oakland was clearly the worst team in the majors at that time, was viewed that way. Lost that series, then lost the series opener at Arizona. Beginning with that next game at Arizona, through now, the Braves in 29 games are 25-4, and And here's the slash line, which just sounds, it sounds like something like Denver during a homestand, Colorado during a homestand. They've hit 309, 371 OBP, 577 slugging for a 948 OPS. In other words, they've put up a Hall of, Hall of, Fame of Famer number for the entire team. Yeah. It's insane. They've hit 29 games, they've hit 72 homers. 195 RBIs, 7.0 runs scored per game. And in that same stretch, the pitching, I mean, hasn't been terrific, but it's been good. They have a 3-5-6 ERA in that 29-game stretch. They've out-homered teams 72-39 to and outscored them 203-113. to So 90-plus <laughs> run, plus 90 run differential. 30 games? 29 games. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny because you listen to the broadcast or anybody that's kind of trying to give a take on this, and nobody's seen anything like it or even has a way to explain it or make any sense of it. See, I mean, you went from that nadir at at Oakland losing a series there to winning ten consecutive series now, with including the last night they win the rubber game at Cleveland, which by the way they're undefeated in rubber games this year too, which they really struggled in last year. They were like seven and zero in rubber games. I'm just like at this point, I'm just been shocked when they lose. You know, it's like you forget what it feels like when that that game in Cleveland the other day. A couple of nights ago, yeah, when they didn't come back and win. 
And they still came back, though. You know, yeah, they, they came still, back and then they made they, a game yeah, out of it. Lost in extra innings. Cleveland, by the way, one of the more crazy stats that I haven't seen repeated enough this year, that was like Cleveland's 14th or 15th extra inning game this year. Yeah. That's insane, man. And that takes a toll on you. I remember, I think it was 2011, it felt like every game we played was within one run, you know, going into the eighth, ninth inning. Yeah. Yeah, Those they played games a where ton you of one-run games. Like the Marlins last year played a ton of one-run games and lost most of them. Yep. This year, the Marlins are winning those one-run games. Yeah, and on the flip side of that, the Braves having so many of these games where, I mean, you're able to breathe by the second or third inning. You know, I mean, maybe oh, those yeah. games in Cincinnati were a little oh, hairy because yeah. you could score so many there, but most of the games, it's like yeah. five spot in the first. The okay. fact that they're doing it early. Did it again last night, four. Yep. It's crazy how many runs they're scoring in the first inning. It's insane. And the home runs. I mean, that's set the tone for so many games. Yeah. Especially as good as they are, teams know when the Braves get up 4-0 in the first inning or 5-0 in the first inning, teams have to be thinking, there's no way we're going to beat this team tonight. Well, I mean, you look at the look at who's on the mound, too. You know, I thought Soroka did a great job battling yesterday. You know, I don't think it was his best start, but, I mean, he made pitches when he had to. Yeah, I didn't think it was his best stuff either. And you look up, and he hasn't given up anything run-wise. Yeah. He got out a lot of jams. Yeah. And didn't he's always been like that. Didn't get through five, but uh, did what he needed to do. I mean, he made the pitches when he had to against a pretty decent team. Uh, that's the other thing is it'd be one thing if they were doing this, you know, if it, like if it was a really soft part of the schedule and you were beating the hell out of teams you're supposed to beat the hell out of. Yep. They're doing this against a bunch of good teams, for the most part, really good teams. I mean, that, like I said, a period began with the road series win at Arizona, which leads the NOS, has the second-best uh, be- 2nd best record in the National League, yep. Arizona. Included a series win at Central Leader Cincinnati, which you referred to. Remember, Cincinnati was on like a double-digit winning streak at the time, I think 12 games. They were the buzziest teams in, in the league at the time. And the Braves win and won that series in there. And so it's really big uh, offensive games. So that was a different way to win, you know, giving up a lot of runs, but still winning those games or winning that series. It included home series sweeps against the second and fourth place teams in the NL East, the Marlins and the Mets, and a rain-shortened two-game road sweep against the third place team in the NL East, the Phillies. Also included a home series sweep against the AL Central leading Twins, they just made them look like exactly the Braves fourth place team. Braves outscored them thirteen to three, beat them so bad that Rocco Baldelli, their manager, made their players unavailable to speak to the media after one of those games. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, which is like that doesn't happen anymore, man. Yeah, he said the players are unavailable tonight. What I wonder what the reason or the purpose of that is. I mean, he was just pissed, obviously, but yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. That's going to accomplish. Well, I can't think of what they would say or – I mean, maybe if he was just going to be having a meeting or something and, and it was going to take a while, but – I mean, if he's just trying to humiliate him, but the players are probably so pissed, they're like, good, I didn't want to talk to the media anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's anytime, punishment. <laughs> anytime the, the clubhouse goes to the media, you know, nobody's mad. <laughs> hey, now. Uh, also included a series of win this week against Cleveland, like we said, which is in second place in the AL Central, two games behind the Twins. I mean, the, the Central Division well. – the central divisions in both leagues are pretty bad, but still, the Cleveland's been playing pretty well. Um, got a great manager. In other words, the Braves are beating everybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
everybody on the schedule, they're beating, and there are some really good teams on the schedule relative. All you can do is compare them to other teams at this time, and those are some of the best teams in baseball. You and know? they face some of the best pitchers. It's not like they're beating these exactly. teams and they're and they're they're running into their three, four, five, and you know somebody's hurt. You know, yep. it's like a bunch of really good pitchers they faced. The Marlins threw some studs at them. I mean, they've. I just think with this team, especially when they're when they're on, I don't think it matters who you throw at them. I think if they could play an all star team right now and still be just fine. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, they're beating up. And in the past, the Braves teams have kind of struggled against uh, rookies, people they haven't seen before, and some bad pitchers. That's not happening this year. This year, they might have like a, a couple of innings against a, a rookie they've never seen before, not score, but it's like that second time through the order, they just light the guy up. Yep. And that's a little different than the past, than recent years too. Now they face arguably their toughest test so far. This is going to be a fun series. I'm going out of Tampa tomorrow. Three-game series against the Rays team that had the majors' best record for the, almost the for the first third of the season up until the Braves overtook them like a week ago. But these are the two teams that have far and away the best two records in the majors. The Braves are 58-28, and 28, leading the NL East by eight games. Rays are 57-32, and 32, lead the rugged AL East by five games over the Orioles and eight games over the Yankees, like nine and a half over the uh, over the uh, Blue Jays. So these are the best two teams, and at that funky dome in, in St. Pete, Florida. I hate that place. You what you were saying? About I hate that, that place. It's one of those stadiums that just they only have like five thousand in there, but it still seems loud. But it's kind of got that Marlins feel to it too, where you can hear too much. Yeah. They're going to have a lot more net for this game. Yeah. They've been drawing a little bit better, but for the Braves, they're going to get a whole bunch of Braves fans that are going to yeah. get out there too that have been planning for this. So it could be the noisiest it's been other than maybe against the Yankees when it's all Yankees fans there, you know, or mostly yeah. Yankees from Tampa. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be big, man. It's going to be it's going to be a good series. I'm really looking forward to it. And it's cool because it kind of, it's the series that leads into the All-Star break. So the Braves are going to be – I mean, it's – it feels a little more important than it should because you don't want to go into the break having won 10 straight series and then lose a series going into the break. That that would suck. You you want to go in on this, continue this ridiculous run you're on and just feel really good about everything. Yeah, you definitely do. I mean, I think it's almost like the I wish the break wasn't coming right now. It's kind of a reset. You know, it's like you want that break when you're kind of scuffling, but when you're this hot. Yeah. You kind of want to keep riding this wave as long as you can. And a third of the team is going to be flying all the way out to Seattle. <laughs> they got a yeah. private plane, at least for that, because you get that many guys. Yeah. It's well worth it. But uh, yeah, it's going to be the, it's going to be the, uh, probably the most watched All Star game in Braves by Braves fans in a long, long time. <laughs> and it's cool because you're not waiting to see if your guys get in for like an inning or two, which is usually the case, or if your pitcher gets to pitch an inning or whatever. You got, you know, you you're gonna see three of your guys in the starting lineup. They're gonna play a couple of the bats, and you're probably gonna see everybody you took except maybe one pitcher get in the game. So that's usually, gonna be cool. Yeah, usually they they do a good job of getting everybody in there. Yeah. Sometimes relievers don't get in. Yeah. Sometimes like one guy it seems like is left on the bench because the the managers just being in case in case they run out of guys. 
Yeah, it would suck to have that be your only all-star game, not yeah. getting in there. But I think the manager, they're pretty conscious of who's been there before and who hasn't. Yeah, yeah. So, um, last night in Cleveland, man, Sean Murphy. It's like, just when you think Sean Murphy, I was talking to Alex Antopoulos about this maybe a month ago when I, when he was OPS and like oh, close to 1,000. And we're talking about how the expectations for Murph, you know, and I'm going, I mean, he doesn't have to, even if he OPS is 900 and, and Murph and, and Alex is like, if he OPS is 750 with power, plays yeah. the defense he wants, that would yeah. be exactly what we hoped he would do. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're out almost at the all-star break and this, we're over halfway. And this guy is still uh, just a hitting machine on top of doing the great job behind the plate. He went four for five with a double, his 15th homer last night, had two ribbies, gave him 50 RBIs. He's only the second Braves catcher to have 15 homers and 50 RBIs through the through the team's first 86 games, and I bet you can tell me who the other one was, who did it twice, by the way. B-Mac? No. Javi? Yep, Javi. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You would think B-Mac, but no, B-Mac. Yeah. The home runs are probably a little bit short of a uh, B Mac was probably like 12, 13 home runs. Yeah. Higher batting average and all that, but not the not the home runs. But yeah, Javi did it twice. Um, and if you look at what Sean Murphy is doing, he's just below the qualifying standard. Uh, you know, the, the plate appearances that you have, you have to have. But otherwise, Cause so that falls under the radar of a lot of people around the country that aren't really paying attention. Or maybe you're not an Oakland fan or you're not a Braves fan, so you maybe not noticing what he's doing. But this guy's doing everything Jake D. Real Muto ever did at his best. You know? Yeah. He's hitting three. He's in a he's played 65 games, got 226 at bats. Murphy is hitting 305 with a 397 OBP. 17 doubles, 15 homers, 50 RBIs. He's OPS in 977, dude. It's nuts. I've, I've been trying to – I want to know where he was hitting in the lineup with Oakland. I just – I think there's a, a lot of factors that you would get better. You know, moving – AL West has a lot of pitchers parks. NL East is a lot more friendly. Um, but then just being in this lineup and then having a packed house, playing in front of 35, 40,000 fans, having protection in the lineup – you know, I mean, it, yeah. there, there's so many things that could contribute to him doing better, but he's obviously in a great place. And it can't be overstated the importance of, and I've talked about this before, having Travis Darno and Sal Fasano here to make his whole uh, acclimation or transition to the Braves easy. easy. Because if you didn't have Sal, the best hit catching coach in the game, in my opinion, and if you didn't have Travis Darno, who welcomed this guy with open arms, Travis Darno, who knows this whole team, knows the whole league, and wanted to share everything with eagerly call the first guy to call this guy after the trade. If you didn't have that, he might not have been so comfortable coming in and it would have been taken him a while to get that half of the thing. Well, it's bigger, more than a half. He might've been not worried about hitting at all. So focused on all that crap. Um, but that made that part so much easier. And then Darno got hurt and he was playing every day for a while and kept hitting like crazy. So, and that probably allowed him to get into a better hitting rhythm, too, when he's playing every day, unlike most catchers who don't get to play every day, especially a team with two really good catchers where they would have split it more along the lines of, uh, you know, um, 60-40 rather than traditional 80-20 or whatever. Right. So, But I, I think that goes with what you're saying. All these factors contributed to him being, you know, the full player that he can be. I mean, you just – 
you didn't see it in Oakland. He was he was catching almost, you know, he's 130 games catching for a terrible team. It's got to be hard. Well, that wears on you too. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like they're getting beat the hell beat out of them. When you get it. to catch a really good staff, you're not staying up late thinking about you know what pitch I called wrong too often. Because when you score, when you score eight, you know who cares yeah. about the two run shot you you called a bad pitch on. You know you yeah. care, but it's not like we lost again or this guy's getting the five ERA or that guy's getting sent down now. Taking that on yourself, it's like now nah, we won again. It's always a party. I mean, and Oakland had a couple of good teams while he was there. They had a couple made the playoffs, but they also had some teams that got the hell beat out of him. And he's yeah. catching so much, and that was pre-pitch clock. So he's making a lot of trips out to the mound. He's doing a lot of pitching changes. Uh, just all that is just completely reversed now. I he's mean, not DHing much, right? No. No. Because he struggled with that. He struggled with that mightily last year. We talked about that. And then early this year when Ozuna was so bad – they were using him to DH, and again, the same numbers carried over. It's one of those weird things. But fortunately, Ozuna took off, and they've not needed anybody to DH. So Travis yeah. has DH'd a few times, giving Ozuna a break, but they haven't needed. So they've uh, they've been able to use uh, Murphy just as a as a catcher. Basically, he's had a couple of games DHing lately, but not many at all. So I think that's helped too. Really has. Yeah, I getting, think that's that's getting, big. It's getting real days off, and he can just study and. And, and and whoever their catcher is that's not catching is is in the game, is so wired into the game still while sitting in the dugout, you know, talking mm-hmm. with Sal and the pitcher between innings along with the other catcher. They, they've just got a great system going, man, that, that, that allows their catchers to really be a part of the whole thing and allows their catchers to really help their pitchers. Yeah. It's just a just, really good thing they got going. There's just nobody that comes – it feels like, you know, at least the last three, four or five years, nobody comes to this team and gets worse. Seems like everybody gets better. Really? I mean, you'd have to think about it. I'm sure there's one or two guys, but I can't think of any off the top of my head that didn't come here and get better. Yeah. I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but really, that's been the, that's been the rule lately. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The A1 win last night, clinched the 10th consecutive series. Also gave Snit his 600th career win. Man, it seems like just yesterday I was getting, he was getting his 500th one. We were in Philly last year. So he took over in 17. 16. Middle of, was it 16? Yeah, May, middle of 16. May, May, six, May of 16. It's like 90 wins a year. <laughs> and that was a bad team. Remember that first team yeah. was horrible. He took over yeah. a bad team. Yeah, I was a part of that. <laughs> I blew a few. <laughs> I could be at 605 right now if I retired earlier. He is uh 600 and 479. And for people who maybe have aren't real familiar with managerial records, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it, it doesn't say it might not sound great, it might not sound that much over five hundred, but to be that many games over five hundred as a manager, there aren't many guys that can do it that long and be that it just doesn't happen. No, especially now with that team he inherited. That sixteen and seventeen were both tough teams. Yeah, both tough teams. Yeah. And then you had, you know, because that was at the end of the rebuild. And then you had uh, you know, the whole mess with this with uh copy and John Hart getting booted and Alex taking over and all that, and you know, questions about whether they would fire Snit. Yep. And really, they just kept him to have some continuity because they were firing Copy, or he had to force to resign, and and uh, and Hart was on the way out, and they wanted some continuity. That's basically why he kept that job. And the players lobbied so hard for him, and that, and the next year when they were about to hire Buddy Black or Wash as manager, and the players lobbied again for him so hard and kept him and. Ends up being a hell of a decision. I mean, you never know. You never know, man. If you if you had the wrong guy running this thing that had that panic button, it can it can change everything. And I think I think Bud Black has done a good job, but he's not snit. And I think Wash would have done a great job as manager because Wash can I think is just at that point of his life where he's going to do well at anything he does. Um, but if you had Wash managing, you wouldn't have Wash working with the infielders as your infield coach. Right. And they've got their entire infield going to the All-Star game, and they've won a lot of gold gloves already in their infield since Wash took over. I wonder if he'd still do that. I talked to a – Be out there hitting fungos four games as a manager? (laughs) I don't think so. Uh, Yeah, I don't think so. Just based on – I've talked to uh, Rossi quite a bit because he's managing the Cubs now. And he just said the amount of shit that is on your plate, you know, compared to like being a bench coach or a coach – Right, it's so much of it is non-baseball, yeah. day in day out. It's just it's just exhausting. I think that's why you see you see some of those reactions from Snit where he's just tired of the question and downplays yeah. things. Yeah, but he's just built for that, not to let it really phase him. Yeah, he kind of just says the shit he's supposed to say. He doesn't really seem to care how it's taken. Yeah. You know, yeah, I he think doesn't. he's the right guy for that position. But yeah, I was just talking to Rossi. I was shocked at how much stuff he's dealing with that's not the game. You know, it's, it's outside the game. And then managing personalities, working with the front office, there's just so much more on his plate than he ever thought. He got thrown uh, two days ago. Did he? He got tossed. Um, Matt Olson. Dude, speaking of Oakland, the Oakland fans have got to be looking at what Murph and Olson are doing over here and going, what could have been? The guys they've got rid of, Chapman. I mean, just so many guys. But what these two guys in particular are doing right now, both All-Stars, obviously. Olsen hits another homer last night, two more RBIs. Okay, he leads the NL with 29 homers. Next most, Pete Alonso with 25. He leads the league with 70 RBIs. We're not at the All-Star break. He's got a 938 OPS. Dude, he's got more than twice. He's got twice as many homers as Freddie. And he's OPS and higher than Freddie now. I'm trying to figure out. They so they traded Langliers, well, Ache, Cusick, and yeah, Estes. There, there was the two. There was the two trades, and it's easy to kind of get them mixed up. Murphy and the and, and Olson trades with Oakland. Yeah. Well, either way, I mean, it I was don't a, think it was a steal yeah. for Olson. <laughs> yeah. However, you break it down, both of those guys. It became a steal when they signed each of them to a long term extension. Right. Olson before he ever landed here. And Murphy within two weeks of the December trade. I mean, those were just 
those trades. I, I said it at the time. I, I said it in spring training. I will repeat it now. I think the Murphy trade was the biggest offseason move by any team. Well, what I mean, Murphy's like meant to this team. Impossible to argue right what now, he, especially how he's hitting. What he's meant to this team. How he's hitting, what he's meant to the staff, what he's meant when Darno went down. Imagine what they would have done with Darno down. I mean, no offense to Trump, but Chadwick Trump would have been catching every day and they'd have had to go out and get another guy to come in and, and the two of them piecing it together. I mean, having two, they basically have two. I mean, they have two starting catchers. Two all-stars. Yeah. One was an all-star last year. One's a starting catcher in the all-star game this year. Yeah. That's unheard of. Yeah, normally you have Gerald Laird back there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a dude that's pretty damn cool in the clubhouse, but he's going to hit 210, bunch of singles, run into a few homers, call a great game. You know, your typical backup catcher, that's what it is. It's never somebody defense. gets hurt and here comes another all-star catcher. Right. It's a defense first guy that can handle the staff great, but he's going to hit like 200 and yep. run into one very rarely. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's just uh, it's been huge. And Alex, we a lot of us questioned it when he did it, when the move was made. I was one of them. I was like, "Why are you trading for a catcher right now? Of all the things you did." And then he said, "We're not trading Darno. We're not because I assumed they would get rid of Darno." And he said right away, I asked him. He said that date to me, "We're not trading Darno." I'm like, "Okay." And they didn't. And look at it. It's like the move looks genius right now. But anyway. well, especially with you know all the injuries Darno's had. Yeah, he's been pretty healthy since he came to the Braves, but. One yeah. of those guys that just seems to run into just right. freak things, you know, weird injuries. And then all of a sudden it's like, that's not scary now. Kind of like Trout. Yeah. And the concussions thing. Alex had to have that in the back of his mind. How easy yeah. a catcher can have a concussion. And when you've had multiple ones, it could be the it's end even of your easier. career at yeah. any time. He was thinking about all that. I will give the guy credit, man, for having more foresight uh, as far as depth, as far as backup plans than anybody I've ever covered. Alex, I mean, he thinks about not just the whole season, years ahead, whether he's yeah. here or not. He's thinking about the rotation in 2025. Can we give that guy this much money? If we do that, we're not going to be able to resign this guy and this guy. You know, he's always thinking years ahead, and but but for the whole season, the depth, what if this happens and all that. So, yeah, and I mean, the last two, the last two off seasons, I've said there's no way they should let Freddie go. There's no way they should let Dansby go. I did too, and. And look at them. They're better than ever. Yep. I mean, sure, until they win a World Series, you can't say they've they've done what they did with Freddie here, but they are a better team right now than they've ever been. Yep. Yeah, wise. and I think that's just that, again, that's just more the the supporting cast, you know, the 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 coaches, the, the just the entire vibe is almost like unbeatable. It's so strong. And it starts with yeah. Snit, if you ask me, but it, yeah. When you see everybody, and we couldn't even rack our brains a few minutes ago for somebody that's come here and gotten noticeably worse. You have guys like Arcia come in and make an all-star team. It's There's something about it. There's something about that vibe and the, the place of work that they got completely figured out. Yeah, and it allows them, as Snit said, you can go out and get somebody with maybe it's a little rough on the edges because they have such a great chemistry now that one guy's not going to disrupt that. Right. One guy, I'm not talking about bringing in, you know, Barry Bonds, but I'm talking about bringing in a guy with a little less snip, put it rough around the edges. Yeah. You're not even going to notice that because he's going to assimilate into the group. Yeah. He's not going to feel like I'm not going to be the jackass and, act, you know, be the only guy that's not, that's miserable or whatever, or, or that says the wrong things. You know, this just, is the way they the do units, just The unit's so strong. You know, I mean, there, there's some clubhouses you could go in and disrupt. 
but I'm pretty sure if you came into this one and didn't get on board, you wouldn't have six or seven guys vocal or having a problem with you. It'd be 24 against one. Exactly. And with the history they've had, it's it's hard to argue that your way's the right way if you come in and want to do things different. It's like, no, nah, we win every game. Get on board. You know, it's pretty simple. Yeah. So Olsen is second in the majors right now in home runs to Shohei Atani. Olsen's got 29 homers. Dude, he's on pace for like 55 jacks, man. 55. Yeah. He's, he's got a 938 OPS, which among qualifiers is third in the majors behind Shohei and, and Acuna, the two locks for the MVP awards right now. I mean, yeah. it would have to be a major injury to keep either of those guys from winning the MVP. What, what Acuna yeah. continues to do is we've talked so much about him. I don't even know what else to say. The kid, the kid is hitting 337. That's what 337 is what yeah. I'm just like, are you, are you kidding me? Cause that's, you watch him play and you see the numbers and he does so many other great things that you kind of forget he's hitting 337 yeah. in an era when nobody hits 337, you know, like Freddie, Freddie feels like he gets a hit every time up when I watch him play. Uh huh. I bet he's not hitting 337 right now. He's not. Uh, Acuna he's is hitting 315. Acuna is second, which is great. You know, 315 is mean, amazing, especially in today's game. Acuna is second in the majors in batting average. Yeah. I, I mean, if you'd have told me that behind a kid who's threatening to hit 400, <laughs> arise. Yeah. You know, I mean, most years, most years, Acuna would have right now could be looking at a batting title for sure. Oh, 320, 325. In this day and age, 337 wins you a batting title. Yeah. Almost. yeah. What was Chris Johnson was was in it till the very end of the year that one year, and it wasn't close to that. I think it was like three fifteen, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought about that at all because Acuna's got obviously is in line for so much more, but I haven't even thought about the fact that he might not win a batting title just because of the year that Arise is coming after coming over from the AL, winning a batting title with Minnesota. If Arise doesn't come over to, to the to the Marlins, yeah, Acuna right now. Would have a twenty-two point lead over the next guy in the NL, which is Freddie Freeman. Yeah, yeah. CJ was right in it till the end in two thousand thirteen. He hit three twenty-one, and I think he lost it by four or five points. Acuna won it by twelve most years, but Arias hitting four hundred. It's still three eighty-four. It's coming down. Okay, yeah, it's, 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 it's still more realistic. Down, but it's I still- bet he finishes three fifty, three sixty. Yeah, like kind of Chipper did the year he was hitting 400 this time and went down to like three, finished 364. Yeah. Um, but Arise is doing it, you know, with a 476 slugging percentage. Acuna's slugging 594. I mean, and Acuna is only 23 points behind him in OBP. He's so Arise is not walking. Arise is walking, not much at all. He's not walking or striking out at all. Yeah. Yeah, he's putting the ball in play all the time. Arise has 27 walks, 18 strikeouts. 18. Okay. <laughs> he's got as many doubles as strikeouts. That's but old it, school. Yeah, but That's in this totally day and weird. age, yeah, it's in this day and age, that yeah, he's got he's totally he's Rod Carew, as as Chipper pointed out. Um Acuna, 21 homers to arise three. Yeah. And 78 runs scored to arise as 40. Both leadoff guys. Yeah, I mean, I could see it, – it's weird to say it, but I don't think Acuna's been on his, like, a tear-tear yet. 
I think he's just been pretty good all year, but I think he can get hotter. I I would say better pretty good all year. <laughs> I'm he, saying for him. I think he's been on a tear the entire season. That's the thing is it, you take out any 15-game stretch. He, he's only had like one stretch of like 10 games where he had like a slump Struggle. at all. Yeah. At all. It's just crazy. I mean, what he's doing on a nightly basis is like numbing my brain, man. Yeah. The dude's incredible. He's got 41 stolen bases. He's on, forget 40-40. This guy's on pace to be the first in the 40-75 club. Yeah. And it, mean, doesn't, it doesn't seem – I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't seem right. like he's playing out of his Overskies. ability. Yeah, yeah, it just feels like this is just who he is. This is, this is who he is. He's just an unbelievable player. He's not getting a lot of lucky hits or anything, you know, breaking no. his way. He's just scorching the ball. He, he, and, he and Murphy hit everything 115 miles an hour, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Acuna's – they're second and third in the majors in OPS, Acuna and Olsen. And like I said, if Murphy had – I did it the other day using 200 uh, plate appearances and fan graphs as the minimum instead of the qualifying standard, the Braves had two, three, and four OPS. And, and nationally, they had one, two, and three with, with uh, Acuna, Murphy, and Olsen. One, two, three in the National League in OPS for 200 yeah. or more plate appearances. That's crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's nothing you can – I can't even compare it to a team I've watched that had three or four guys this hot in one lineup. I mean, there's some Dodgers teams that seem like, you know, pretty tough to pitch to, but this is on another level. Yeah, if you look at uh, if you look at OPS and then you go over to the stolen base, they, it's all uh, single digits except for Acuna and Corbin Carroll, who's a lock for NL Rookie of the Year right now. Yeah, that guy's crazy. Yeah. Otherwise, you've got what? You've got uh, looks like 11 guys are OPS and qualifiers are OPS and over 880 this year. The stolen bases totals for those 11. Shohei's got 11 stolen bases. OPS leader. 41 for Acuna. <laughs> One for Matt Olson. 24 for Carroll. And seven for Mookie Betts, eleven for Freddie Freeman. That's the shocker. Yeah, he'll swipe a bag. More than he's ever stolen, though. I mean, he's like on pace. Uh, eight for Luis Robert, six for Juan Soto, one for Louis Arras, zero for Yandy Diaz, seven for Sawinski. Among the guys, OPS and over uh, eight eighty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like. I don't know, it'd be Ricky Henderson type of player right now. Yeah. With way more power. Ricky Henderson, Willie Mays, that type of stolen base home run thing. I was thinking that the other day. You know, I mean, this is like the last 20 years. Of me watching baseball, there's been guys like this, like prime A-Rod, prime Barry Bonds, prime yeah. Acuna. They're all, they're all in that same. I don't, I mean, maybe not Barry Bonds with the big head. And but he doesn't have steroids. Right. Normal, normal. When these guys were in their prime, he's that kind of superstar that you know, it's. I don't see anybody else coming along like this. Yeah, the stolen base major league leaders. There's only two guys with over 27. Wander Franco's third with 27 stolen bases. There's two guys. Estuary Ruiz is leading uh, the majors from Oakland. That kid from Oakland. He's got 43. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got 43, but he's slugging 329. Yeah. Acuna's got 41. He's slugging 594. <laughs> 639 OPS versus 1,008 OPS for the two stolen base leaders. 
yeah, this is like 99 overall on the on the player ratings on the video games. Like they, they, he's the standard. Yeah, I mean, I saw the odds the other day on Vegas. They keep sending out the odds every few weeks on the MVP and all that. And Shohei and Acuna odds. Shohei's are even better odds, yeah. but they're both crazy. Twenty to one. You'd have to put so much money down to 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 win you, anything. You got to bet like five thousand to win eighty bucks, and have the have the have the house hold your money for the rest of the year, and then you walk yeah. away with a little bit. Yeah, which you might. I mean, it might be a smart bet. <laughs> Nobody else is getting it. Yeah. And then Shohei has the little blister thing, so he comes out of the game pitching the other night. But I tip my cap to that guy. He comes, he hits the next night because like zero for four or whatever. But he's hitting the next game. He's in there rather than most people don't do that. You come out of the game with a blister thing. You're not hitting buddy, the next day. I had a buddy ask me like when he rests, and I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. He I don't doesn't. know how he's doing it. How he can keep doing it. I keep waiting for it to stop. And he just keeps going. You know, I think he like he DHs the days he's not pitching. And I mean, I don't, if he was playing the field, then I'd just be like, this guy's on something. But yeah, yeah. Even DHing, you know, it's a lot of, it's, it's all the prep work. Yeah. You're not getting every day, throwing every day. It's crazy you can do this. Uh, Olsen is on pace for 54 or 55. It's like 54.6 or whatever, but. I always have a problem. Do you say he's on pace for fifty five because the season stops and you don't get you don't get to round up if you you know what I mean? No. <laughs> so those so I don't it's either fifty four or fifty five depending on how you look at 55 it. Fifty five is a round number. But the uh, uh, and he's on pace for one hundred and thirty one RBIs. Like, wow. What a season! People were talking about his strikeouts, dude. You can strike out all day if you are going to produce like that. I mean, and that's you basically OPS Ryan Howard, that. you know, fifty and a hundred something. And the strikeouts have come down a little bit, but the OPS has kept going up. So, uh, and Andrew has the, the franchise record. Everybody's always shocked when they that that isn't real familiar with Brave stats. They're kind of they kind of just assume that Hank Aaron has all the home run records. But Hank was was notoriously consistent, amazing. Thirty five a year, yeah. And he had forty four. His number. He had that like what three times, yep. which is crazy. But he never had fifty. Just year after year after year with 30 to 44 home runs. Yeah, Andrew, 51 is the record. Uh, by the way, Olsen's career highs, 39 homers, 111 RBIs, both in 2021. That was his last season with Oakland. He's got how many right now? He has got – he's on pace for uh, – he's got – he's 29, 29 homers, 70 RBIs. He's on pace for 54, 55 homers and 131 ribbies. So he needs what he needs just a couple more for his career high. He'll be there in late July. Yeah. Yeah, he needs nine more for his, to match his four eleven ten more to match his career high in homers, eleven more to beat it. We're only halfway, just barely over halfway. I think these two both these guys coming over from Oakland though. I mean, especially nighttime. In the daytime it'll fly a little bit there, but it just it changes when the ball's not flying, it just changes your approach. Like I think you saw with Olsen when he realized he could flick balls out to left field in Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the – if you get into a ball and it goes to the track, yeah. you can't help but swing it a little harder next time. I think and they just don't they don't have that in, in at Truist. The stuff Olsen worked on in the offseason I think is paying dividends. He strike out more than he wanted to. But as far as the balance and being able to get to those balls away – and mm-hmm. not and and not being ahead, not getting fooled, and going back so far with his weight, and then kind of 
uh, what how they put it, uh, slamming forward or whatever they put it, where he's got to come lunging, up, yeah. lunging, and 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 he just he was off balance and he was fooled, wasn't able to get to breaking pitches. And this year he's staying back. He's just covering the plate with those long arms, man. Gosh, and it looks like that like he hit a ball out to left center the other day that it just looked like a pop up. But yeah. it's he's so strong. Yeah. Strong, he's so big, arms. has so much leverage. It's anytime you get a hitter like that, once a hitter realizes I can hit homers opposite field, their season takes off. And that there's a lot of guys that can't do it. But the guys that can and commit to it, you yeah. know, that's that's staying back, letting the ball get deep, and still being able to power it out the other way. Like Michael Harris is amazing at it. Yeah. Some of the opposite field home runs he hits. He's looked great, by the way, recently. Yeah. God. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Also, you just see so few guys with his body type, with those long arms, and especially how he holds his hands out. You think you can get in on him? Yeah, you'd think you'd be able to get in on him, but guys can't do it. No, they come in, it goes on top of the chop house. There's so few guys in the majors, if you think about it, that have that body type, that have those long arms. And if you can do it, if you can harness it, man, you can't you can't beat him on stuff on the outside of the plate with that. He can hit it hard. Yeah, he I don't know. I mean, He didn't have the hole like Jason Hayward had for so much of his career. Yeah, um, yeah uh, other thing, other big development of the in recent – well, it's been a couple of months now, but Ozzy Albies wasn't that long ago. We were fielding yeah. the questions. Thankfully, they finally have stopped yeah. because the next person to ask him, I'm going to say, well, you obviously aren't even watching the Braves this year. Yeah. Because the questions about when are they going to make Ozzy Albies stop switch hitting? You know, we kept saying, you know, it's not, you can't just assume that a guy who has not, who has been hitting from both sides of the plate for his entire professional career is going to handle a righty, righty slider just fine. Right. That's why he's over there in the other box. And that's why he didn't want to do it. And, he's, and if it, if it, you know, if he was going to do it, it was going to be in the offseason, and he just didn't want to do it yet. Uh, he, he was thinking, I love switch hitting, right? Well, nobody's asking now about that because he is raking from the left side. Yeah. He had two more homers uh, Tuesday night. Both were from the left side, right? He's got 17 homers batting left-handed against right-handers this year. That's the eighth most home tied for the eighth most homers against right-handers in the majors. One yep. more than Acuna has against right-handers. Yeah. Not and to I, mention, you know, it changes how you can attack a lineup as a manager. Cause you'll have a lefty in your pen or a righty in your pen that can't get one side of the plate out. And when that's in the middle of your lineup, especially the two hole between, you know, right after Acuna. Right. 
it's, it makes it so that it, it makes every move harder because maybe yeah. it's not Ozzy's best side, but it might be that pitcher's worst side. And the power threat is big time there. The OPS isn't nearly as high. I mean, from the other side, he's arguably one of the best hitters in baseball, right? right? So the average and OPS aren't as high, but they're really come so far. Um, I didn't update with last night's game, but through, this was after Tuesday. He hit it 311 with a 733 slugging percentage, batting lefty in 27 games since June 4th through Tuesday. 311, 733. That's after hitting 168 with a 316 slugging percentage from the left side in the 58 previous games. It's like you flipped a switch, man. Yeah, I'm, I honestly think if you're going to log on over the past however many years and tweet something or criticize the decision making of the Braves, you should just hit cancel, delete draft. You know what I mean? Like, just don't send it because every it seems like everything they they do, everything they stick with. Ozuna, you know, I was I was at a point with Ozuna where I was like, I don't yeah. know if he can turn it around getting booed like this. And he'd be an all star if he didn't have that first month. It's Absolutely. like each decision that they've stuck with. I mean, it's just kind of if if you're a fan, you just sit back and enjoy. I don't think there's much to criticize or question. Yeah, and I know it's and I understand it's being part of being a fan is yeah. you're going to question things, nitpick things. I mean, and 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 in a way, it's a good kind of hard, but in a way, it's got to be hard for a certain type of fan to, to find really, anything <laughs> because you can't find. It's hard for some people just to sit back and enjoy it all. Just go. Yeah. Let it wash over me. This is wonderful. Well, that's what that's the point that it's at, though. You know, I mean, most most teams are going to give you something all year long. There's going to be some weakness, something you can criticize, but it, you don't get many times as a as a fan. Yeah, so enjoy you, it. There's, there's not eras like this for most teams ever. ever, ever. So it's like you got this. Just take this season off if you if you like to be right. critical. You give yourself a rest because it seems like every single thing they do works out even better than you could hope. But the other side of that, and it's legitimate, is you go, yeah, but they had 101 wins last year and a loss to the Phillies in the division yeah. series and didn't even play well against the Phillies. If you look at it fairly and you look at it objectively, you will know that the Braves were – they they the difference between last year and this year, they spent four months chasing. reeling in the Mets, chasing yeah. the Mets. That was the – I mean, they – they played their asses off for four months, and it was it was impressive as all hell. Yeah, and they were playing a playoff series in September. And then they played that – they swept the Mets in that series here at home. Again, the Mets' best pitchers pitched. That was like a playoff series atmosphere, the emotions, the energy. Then they go to, uh, to finish the, the season in Miami. So they really had like a week – more than a week break before they started division series because the three games in Miami didn't count. They, they right. clinched technically with the win at Miami, but they, it was over after they swept the, yep. the, the Mets. So they had they, caught, they had that to catch their bra- uh, breath before the division series starts. They get a bye because of wild card. Then they're two – but bigger – but even bigger than that, being on fumes, which I think they were, their two best pitchers were both shells of what they were before because Freed had a month sick – he had lost like 10 pounds with the flu. Yeah. Max Freed can't afford to lose 10 pounds. No. He was weak in his start. Spencer Strider missed, or Freed was like two weeks. Spencer Strider missed almost a month with that oblique strain. Came in and pitched against the Phillies. Looked dynamite first two innings, striking out everybody. Then Gassed. totally faded. Totally faded. Those are your two best starters. Yeah, I don't and see Strider throwing a 94-mile-an-hour fastball this postseason. 
Yeah. So I think uh, if you look at it, you know, I know that why the tendency is to go, yeah, but we've seen this last year, 101 wins. But there's a big difference between what you had to do last year. This year, you are the team that's out front and you're still playing great and just moving ahead. We're only halfway. Anything can happen. But right now, I would say that's the huge difference is you're not having to put it all on the field every night to catch the Mets. Yeah. I mean, I will say the Marlins are, I'm shocked they're eight back. That guy's going to be good for the Braves. I don't yeah. think it'd be good to be 20 games up right now, 15 games up. I don't think that's that'd unhealthy. Be good. <laughs> yeah. They know the, Mar- the Marlins aren't going anywhere. The Marlins are legit. Yep. And they got good pitching and they're doing it without, without Alcantara, basically. That's what scares you is if, if he really locks in and has a good second half. I mean, you could say the same thing about the Braves, too, I guess. I mean, they're doing this without Max or Kyle. Yeah. And they're going to at least get Max back. Yeah. Kyle, they're going to get back, I think, but you don't know that shoulder. Is it going to be okay? Max, I feel pretty confident they're going to get Max back at. Yeah. Because all the work he's doing right now, if that thing was still, if that was more than a forearm strain, if it was leading to the Tommy John, I think he'd be, that'd be appearing right now with all the work they're doing, making him go through. Yeah. And he's not a guy that I, I don't remember really. I mean, once in a while, he'll have a start or two that suck. But he's not a guy I've seen struggle for months. You know, he cleans it up pretty quick. Kyle, you know, he's had his ups and downs. Yeah. He could come back from the shoulder thing and not be right and, and kind of get in a funk. But Max, I don't see if he's healthy. Yeah. He's going to clean it up quick if he has a bad one. The other thing is Max has got to look at, you know, he's not signed to a long-term deal. So I, I am confident that if he was feeling something in there right now, yep. he's too smart to keep pitching with something in there that's going to blow up and cost Tommy John. Yep. That's why that's why that uh on top of you know just how careful they're being with him, bringing him back slow from this thing, that's why I'm confident he's gonna come back strong. Cause he would have he would have felt it by now and told them, that's it, I'm not doing this, I'm not gonna blow what blow this UCL out. Well, and if there is, you know, I mean, when you're in his position, like you said, no no contract, you know, guaranteed or anything, if there's a chance you need Tommy John, yeah. you're not burning three months. Because you want to have it as soon as possible and be back as soon as possible so you can reestablish that value. Because you got one more year before you hit free agency. Yeah, so next year you need to pitch as much as possible. You don't want to have it. If there was a chance he comes back in August and it's still there and now you miss next year, you're out the whole season. Right. So your best case scenario is signing one of those two-year deals where somebody pays to rehab you and then has one season of you, you know, fully healthy. But – I would think that if there was, if it showed anything semi-serious, I mean, that's a conversation you have with your agent. Like, yeah, man, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be able to have a contract for, you know, maybe two years if we don't get this done ASAP. Right. And we've seen that happen to people too. Yeah. Um, Olsen Murphy and Riley all homered Wednesday. That was the 26th game. The Braves have hit at least three homers, uh, nearly a third of their games, like 30%. No other team has more than 21 three-homer games. Somebody said they'd homered in 23 straight games. 23 straight games. That's what it is. <laughs> Isn't that insane? It, it honestly feels like they haven't gone a year a, a game this year without a homer. That's crazy, man. I mean, if you think about it, that, that's just that's crazy. Most teams don't go six games without a home run. They've got like – a hundred more homers than Cleveland this year. Yeah. And Cleveland's not like a hundred loss team. They're like a 500 team. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough, uh, 
it's a tough point for the dinosaurs to take, you know, in baseball that the homer is not a big deal. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's everything, but yeah, it's definitely a good way to score runs in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sudet was talking about Murphy after the game last night. He was a triple shot of the cycle, by the way, which that wasn't going to happen unless he hit a ball to the gap and they didn't play it very well. He's not very fast. But uh, Snit was saying, God, that's an unbelievable trade, talking about the Murphy trade. <laughs> For Snit to say that, Snit said to get a guy of that caliber with all the tools and physical skills that guy possesses, he's been huge for us. Who did they give up? That was a three-way trade. They sent Contreras to Milwaukee. Kyle Muller went to Oakland. Kyle Muller. And another pitcher. But Contreras was the big part of, you know, of getting hey, uh, he's a good player, but I mean, he, he ain't no Sean Murphy. <laughs> so anyway, I one thing: if Murphy couldn't throw and wasn't very good back there and was just bashing, but yeah, yeah, exactly. If he was costing you defensively, what and young pitchers were struggling throwing to him, that kind of thing. Yeah, but <laughs> at least, but that's the strongest part of his game. Yeah. Um, Jason Stark had his. Mid-season awards, I urge everybody to read it. It's always great, funny stuff. Uh, but I you know MVP, obviously, he's got Acuna. And he's got uh, he's got some stuff. He's got some great stuff in here about the list of leadoff men who have won a National League MVP award. Three guys, Jimmy Rollins, uh, Jimmy Rollins, Pete Rose, Maury Wills, 1962. Pete Rose, 73, Jimmy Rollins, 07. That's it for leadoff guys. Well, he shouldn't be – he shouldn't be batting leadoff. It's just where he where he thrives, you know. I mean, no other team would take a do with these numbers and put him in the leadoff spot. Right. But Jimmy Rollins was kind of like this, though, when he was hitting there. He yeah, he had some power. Uh, Mookie Betts, Mookie. same thing. Mookie Betts, same thing. I mean, you know, he's doing it again. But in the AL, Mookie Betts – and Ichiro Suzuki won MVPs as leadoff guys. Only guys this century. Then Ricky, of course. Then yeah, Jimmy go. hit Jimmy hit 30 homers in his uh yeah. MVP season. Yeah, so he and Betts are good good uh kind of comparables. Hit 30, stole 40. 94 ribbies. Mm-hmm. J Roll doesn't get a lot of J Roll gets underestimated, I think. If he'd have just done it for a few more years, he's a slam dunk yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. Eric Davis is a guy. Somebody asked me the other day, Eric Davis is a guy that I've I just, for some reason, Acuna reminds me of too, body-wise. Yep. Eric Davis wasn't huge and had huge power and could run like a deer, man. Uh, What was the other thing? Oh, he had, uh, he had Snit as his second as manager of the year. He said he would have put he would put Snit in there, but uh, he got Lavella. See, I I get that. That's hard to argue. Either one. I get it, and it's always a disadvantage when your team's already been good. But why is it his fault for hitting three forty five every season? You know why? Why is it Snit's fault for for doing this every single season? That you kind of get docked when somebody else turns a, a team around. And I guess you should get credit for that. You know, I mean, it, it makes it it emphasizes it more and makes it more clear how good of a job you're doing when your team turns things around. But at the same time, I mean, when everybody comes to your team and gets better, when anything, nothing ever like stops this team, you know, it, they just keep on trucking. 
Yeah. I think it's all because of Snip. Major injuries this year, too, man. That's yeah. why. That's Didn't why even phase him. Depending on what Lavelle, what Arizona does in the second half, that's why Snip could win this thing this year. Again, he's won it before. I think uh, he should win it every year. Um, what else? Uh, Acuna has 41 steals, 21 homers, 46 extra base hits, and 78 runs. Jason says, how many players have racked up that collection of numbers before any all-star break in history? None. I was going to say, I don't think anybody. No, no. He's doing, he's literally doing things that nobody has ever done. Nobody has ever done. The 4075 club, the 4080 club has a great ring to it. But that I like that. Yeah. I like 50-52, though. I'd love to see him just go on a home run tear. You That'd know, be and, tough, and, but he could do it next year if he gets off to a good, a better home run start. He might even do it this year. Who knows? But if he if he rings in the stolen bases a little bit and hits for a little more power, say he gets a little bit bigger, 50-50. That'd be kind of nice, wouldn't it? The only member of the 50-50 club. Yeah, I mean, he'd have to hit 29 in the second half this yeah, year to do not, that. But that's not gonna I mean, he could definitely go 40-50. 40-70. That's crazy. 40-70 for sure. I mean, he's already got 41. Yeah, he needs 19 more. Uh, Jason's got the most home runs by a guy that stole 70 bases. 28 by Ricky. He had 87 steals that year, 1986. See, Ricky's the guy that I think of the most when I think of Acuna. I know Ricky stole like 130 bags or something a few times. but Yeah, it was a different game, though. Obviously, you know that. Yeah. because I mean, they didn't have a slide step for one thing. You know, pitchers weren't using a slide step. But the turf, all that, running on the turf. I'm sure people try to discount Acuna's, though, because you have the bigger bases and the the pitch clock and the throwover limits. But mm-hmm. but that's what we're going to operate with going forward. So I yeah. think the the uh, the uh, advantages they had were far. Just as good, yeah. More, far more. I mean, the running on a, on a turf is like running on a track. Yeah. You know, the way the cleats dig into that, true surface and all that. The bounce of it too, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no slide step. I mean, the if you look at the pickoff moves back then, Ricky was gone. You know, everybody had a long, kind of a long high leg kick, big delivery. Uh, most stolen bases by a guy with forty plus home runs. That's forty six. A Rod, nineteen ninety eight. He had forty two homers, forty six stolen bases. So anyway. He's doing some unprecedented things. It's just, yeah. It's a pleasure to watch him. It really is. You get jaded, and, you, and it's hard for somebody to be in a really entertaining when you see so many baseball games. But it really is a pleasure watching him. It's fun You know, the, the most shocking thing that happens is a lot of times I turn the game on in the second or third inning, and they already have four or five. That's the yeah. first thing I check. I check the box to see what it did. did. Yeah. And if he hasn't done anything yet, I'm shocked. Yeah. Usually he's either had a home run a single and a stolen base, a double and a stolen base. He's usually done something. When he doesn't do anything and they score four yeah. or five, you know, I mean, I, I, most of the time I'll click the, I'll click the box and then I'll go over the highlights because I want to watch his homer. When they have four or five in the first and he didn't do anything, I'm like, what? Yeah. The? Jason's top ten MVP right now. He's got Acuna, Carroll, Arise, Freeman, Matt Olson, Mookie Betts, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Cattell Marte, and Sean Murphy. I would move Sean Murphy up ahead of Juan Soto, Cattell Marte, and Fernando Tatis Jr. myself. For catching, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's been there all year. He's been incredibly 
did that while Donna was out. I'd have him uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, call me a homer if you want, but right now, I mean, things could obviously change, but right now, I would have three Braves in the top six or seven. Yeah, I, I would, would too. But and I, I th- they don't really have a way, I'm guessing, to quantify game calling into your war, right? No, not game calling. No. Which is, I mean, for me, that's that's Huge, like 50% yeah. of a catcher's value. Maybe even more. Agreed. And it's you know, if you're out in right field, you just got to catch the ball. Some people can't qualify, man. Yeah. I don't know how they will either. Uh, he's got others uh, Others mentioned. He's got Goldschmidt, Will Smith, Dansby, Lamont Wade Jr., Nick Castellanos, and many more, he says. Um, Dansby, by the way, left left, left uh, the game last night with a heel contusion. So I'll be curious to see whether he goes to the All-Star game. Yeah, it's crazy how they just not even – I mean, I'm not going to say not missed him. I'm sure they liked him, but it's like – I know. To, to let go of Freddie and Dansby in back-to-back years and not even break stride. I, I, that's shocking. That play Arcia made the other way, that uh, double play that he made, by the way, two nights ago, on that little toss to set. He got rid of that ball so quick and made such a hard throw. I asked people on Twitter, I go, how many recent Braves shortstops could make that play? And the number, the names that I got were the most were, obviously, Anderson and Fuki. And I'm going, oh, I agree on Fuki. But that was 18 years ago Fuki <laughs> finished playing for the Braves. People were like, oh, my God, I feel old now. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but it was. 2005. But, yeah, Angleton. A couple of people skipped over Angleton. They go, nobody since Fuki. I'm going, are you kidding? Did you watch Angleton Simmons play? Jesus. I mean, TP said he's the best shortstop he's ever seen. And yeah. TP, he said, with TP said he's Ozzy Smith with a better arm. Yeah. And TP played next to Ozzie Smith for years. So, uh, and then last thing, his Jason's top, uh, his Cy Young for the first time. He's got Zach Gallon winning right now at that, that midseason. But his top five, Gallon, Kershaw, Bryce Elder, Stroman, Steele. How about that if they told you for the season that Max Fried's going to miss most of the first half? Max, the, the runner up last year for Cy. But don't worry, Bryce Elder's going to be third place for the Cy. <laughs> You kind of cut now, but I think you said Bryce Elder. Um, I can see Strider getting into it too. Jason's got yeah, Bryce Elder third, third in his uh, Cy Young voting right now. And I said, imagine if somebody had said first half they're going to be without the NL runner up for the Cy last year, Max Freed for most of the first half. But don't worry, Elder's going to pitch like a Cy Young winner. Yeah, most of that's cutting out, Dave. But Elder's been unreal. I think okay. he can keep it up too because his sinkers. I, you know, when you get a little different camera angle in the games, when they give you some of that lower camera angle from a little bit to the side, you can actually see the depth on the pitch. Yeah. It's not a normal sinker. Yeah. Great sinker. Great sinker. Good slider, good change. That sinker, though. That's nasty. Yeah. It's it's just such a it's such a good feeling when you can be behind 2-0 and almost feel like it's in it's to your benefit. So many situations he's gotten out of jams. Opening day, third base, uh, opening starter at AAA Gwinnett. Yeah. Might have been the best thing that happened to him. You yeah. know, I mean, sometimes you got to get a little pissed off, or I don't think he's the kind of guy that needs to stay humble. You know, he's he's right. pretty much born humble, but very humble. I mean, anytime you get sent down or, or have the game kind of taken away from you, it just makes you keep looking over your shoulder. 
You know, I mean, you never want to get comfortable in this game. I don't think he will, but could be a great thing for him. Yeah. And he's a Texas kid with a lot of pride, and that lit a fire under him. It really did. Yeah. But, yeah, he's as modest as anybody you'll ever meet. Yeah. All right, that's it. I'm obviously uh, cutting out according to – it's either mine or your internet. You're coming in fine, though, so I don't know. Anyway, that's it. 755 is real. We'll do this again after the Tampa Bay series. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.